How are you doing today? Good. Uh, glad that you're here. I want to welcome those watching in Issaquah, Duval, and online. Hey, can we give our broader church family a hand? Can we do that? Yeah, let's do that. We're, uh, because we are here uh, to celebrate something special. Uh, we are looking at the story that God would unfold throughout history and can be part of our lives. It's the greatest before and after story uh, ever in humanity. I am a sucker for before and after stories. That's why I like watching those shows. Any of you watch the show Fixer Upper? You watch that one? Uh, Flip This House? Uh, you uh, Extreme Home Makeover? Is that one still around? Uh, other ones that they're uh, Biggest Loser? Yeah, My 600 Pound Life? That'll give you nightmares. Okay. <laughs> but there's all these stories of transformation. And there's something, uh, it's hardwired into us. Because God would put that expectation into our lives. And so that's why even in our broader culture, we see these stories of transformation. You might get something like a, one of these house shows where it shows something like this. Where you take an old house and then, ooh, there's a uh, Jenna buys houses on it right there. And then that's a transformation house. And, and then, uh, you know, we think about this. You know, I like this one of a baby poop before or after diaper change or during yeah, if you have kids, you know that. And th this one, uh, before coffee, after coffee. Yeah, nice there. Uh, I, I had a little bit of a transformation lately. Uh, I know some of you have mentioned that. Uh, actually, there's sort of this thing where on the radio you heard it. I, I lost a little bit of weight. And uh, some of you can't you know, imagine that. Well, we have my before picture here. <laughs> and then, of course, this is my after picture. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, seriously, as we, as we look at the story of Easter, we're looking at the greatest before and after story. And there's all sorts of traditions around, around Easter as you think about it. Uh, here in America, we have the tradition, obviously, we go to church and there's Easter egg hunts. In uh, Australia, they have the Easter bilby which is actually a marsupial. It's a, a, an animal that they're afraid is going to go uh, extinct, so they're trying to raise awareness. In Hungary, men pour water on women for Easter. Doesn't that sound interesting? I think some guys in my fraternity got kicked out of the school for that. Uh, in Finland, uh, they, go, they go house to house for uh, uh, candy. And in Poland, I'm not making this up, in Poland, uh, the Easter meal is a butter lamb. It's made completely out of butter and hand-shaped to look like a lamb. It somehow signifies the beginning of spring. I actually think it signifies the beginning of a heart attack. That's what <laughs> that would be about. Well, Easter is the end of a season uh, that is known uh, in, in church history. It's not necessarily a biblical concept of, of Lent where uh, people would anticipate uh, the coming of Jesus Christ and him dying and rising again uh, from the dead. And uh, any of you practice that growing up, the season of Lent? Any one of you go ahead and raise your hand? Yeah, you, you would do that. Uh, for me, I, I wasn't raised in a more traditional church. It sort of seemed like it was like a second chance at New Year's resolutions. What didn't take, you got to try again. And then it culminates to this week where we look at the death 
burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a Super Bowl of Christianity. But one of the things you'll notice as you look at the Easter story is the team does not seem like the Super Bowl team when you look at the followers of Jesus Christ. And in fact, our very first uh, verse we're going to look at, you can take your outline out of your program if you haven't already, it describes uh, them, and because it's a great before and after picture, uh, and we're going to get into that in a moment, because before they were people, well, here's what the scripture says. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. There, there was nothing really special about them. Reminds me of a, uh, a conversation I had with a staff person, actually an intern uh, on our staff. He's just finishing up uh, Bible college this week, and, and we have lunch together as a, a team from all the campuses, and we were anticipating this week, and uh, he was asking me about my college. He said, well, did you go to college? And I said, yeah, I did my undergraduate at the University of Washington. And uh, he goes, well, what did, how did you study the Bible or theology? I said, well, actually, I went down to... Uh, Fuller Seminary, and I got my master's and doctorate there. It's the largest uh, interdenominational seminary in the country. And he looks at me like really confused. He goes, you have a doctorate? I would have never guessed. <laughs> Isn't that special? No, he's a good kid. We'll miss him. The... Uh, <laughs> Seriously, as we look at this, here's what I want to tell you right up front. I'm going to tell you what I want us to experience together. Number one is I don't want us to miss the obvious. That this is an event that really divides human history that is unlike any other religious event. And if you say, well, I want to push back on that. Well, go ahead and push because... Other religions and worldviews are primarily based in the teaching of the leader. And there's great teachings with Jesus. But Christianity is based in an event, in a place you can go to, where there's historical evidence and archaeological evidence surrounding it. And we're not going to look at all that today. We've looked at that in years past. But that this is a big deal. That's why about a third of the earth this weekend is going to be uh, celebrating Easter. But see, I also don't want us to forget what's important. And that's that this Easter story 2,000 years ago can become part of our story. And finally, I don't want us to fail to connect the dots of how what Jesus did, uh, who he was, what he said, what he promised, can be part of our lives as well. In fact, if if you... uh, Look in the Guinness Book of World's Records. They identify who they would say is the most successful uh, lawyer in the world. His name is uh, Sir Lionel Luckhu, and he has won 245 uh, murder acquittals. So people were charged with murder. He got the people off murder. Uh, maybe not the nicest guy in the world, but he's a really good lawyer. At 64 years old, this incredible mind, he decided to uh, investigate the claims of Jesus, was not a a follower of Jesus. And and this is what he said. Uh, He said, "I, I say unequivocally that the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming 
that it compels acceptance by proof which leaves absolutely no room for doubt. So he used the best of his experience in his mind, and he said, this, is, this only makes sense. Now, in the scripture, we get a, uh, what I call a, a Cliff or Sparks Notes version of what this whole event is about. We find it in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15, starting at verse uh, 3. Uh, the Apostle Paul, who, by the way, was not a real Jesus fan to start out with, he says this, uh, I pass on to you what was most important and what has been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then the twelve, and after that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Now get this, most of whom are still alive. So what he's saying is, uh, to, to the people he's writing to, and and Jerusalem is only a town of about 100,000 people. It's, it has less people than Everett has in it. And he said there's 500 adults who live in this town who you can talk to who saw the same thing. And he goes, though some have died. And then, uh, then he was seen by James and later by the apostles. And last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. And, and what, what he's saying is, this has changed my life. Uh, you know, here, here's what can happen around Easter. Now, I wasn't raised uh, going to church, not on Christmas, not Easter, not really ever. Uh, so I think for me, I have an advantage over some of us who were raised in a, a, a religious environment, a Christian religious environment, even if you didn't have faith of your own, is because this story has always grabbed my attention. Because one thing I know is that when things are dead, do you know what they tend to do? They tend to stay dead. They really do. I, I was uh, driving uh, my car on, uh, I live up in Sammamish, I was driving uh, down 24th Street, and all of a sudden, just like right out of nowhere, didn't have any time to really do anything, a, uh, a big animal... Uh, it jumps right in front of my car, and then as if it was trying to uh, commit suicide, it stops. And so I slam on the brakes, but evidently my Subaru does not have very good brakes. And so this raccoon went to raccoon heaven. I mean, I felt horrible. The only thing that wasn't, it looked like a cat, so it wasn't that bad. But it, it, uh, it, it was, it was uh, and what, what would I do, though, if this raccoon, after I had smushed him, or I'll blame it on my car, if he had, if he had sort of shaken it off, came out and said, okay, I'm out of here. That would have my full attention. But things like that don't happen. It would take a miracle of biblical proportions for something like that to happen. Now, especially when you consider Jesus and how he, he died very publicly. He was killed by the Romans who were experts at killing people. They were really good at this. And Jesus got the extra treatment at the end of his life after he hung on a cross where someone took a spear, a soldier, with his full force and put it right up into his side through his stomach, through his heart, if he hadn't have died already, and, and by all accounts, he was already dead. So this is the level of miracle 
that happened. So, so what do you do with this? Because I know on Easter weekend, there are some who come out of tradition. Some of you were promised a very good meal by a relative uh, if you came. Uh, and you say, hey, I'm not sure if I buy this. Well, see, here's what I, I look back. As I look at the team who Jesus had, remember I told you they weren't necessarily uh, all stars. And they said, hey, this, this really happened. There are all sorts of theories around it. Uh, Virtually no serious scholar of any kind would deny that there was a person named Jesus. He lived 2,000 years ago uh, in Israel. He gathered followers, uh, and there was a movement that changed the world. Everyone agrees on that. That's uh, the most basic history, really, that there is. Uh, More evidence for that than than Plato existed, honestly. but did he rise from the dead? Some of the theories to disprove it, uh, some would say uh, it was the swoon theory that he really swooned, he didn't die on the cross. But as I said, you know, the Romans were good at this and a lot of people saw him die. Some said, well, all the disciples, they, they just lied about it. They just wanted to keep this going. Well, most of them actually went to prison and were actually killed because of their faith. And not many people would die for a lie. You can find a few wackos to do that, by the way. You just can't find that many when it comes to one particular circumstance. Of course, there are other uh, theories that they all hallucinated. Uh, In fact, it was called, in the 70s, it was called the shroom theory, that the disciples all ate magic mushrooms. This theory, I think, came out of Eugene, Oregon, or (laughs) Berkeley, California, or somewhere like that. But, so, so here's what uh, one of the followers of Jesus said. You know, I, I've heard people say, you know, Christianity would be worth it even if this whole resurrection thing wasn't true because of how the community, and I mean, you think of the good that's come out of Christianity, uh, hospitals, orphanages, universities, all of that came out of the Christian movement. So that's good, but the Apostle Paul would say not enough. He says uh, this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would, have, would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. So he, he's saying this is really core. And, and then he goes on to uh, really make his point later, later on in verse 32. And he says, and if there is no resurrection... Let's have a big party. (laughs) Let's feast and drink for tomorrow we die. But the Apostle Paul came to the conclusion that Jesus had, that he was risen from the dead. And that was not just a confirmation of all he taught, not just a confirmation of his life. But in that, embedded in that was a promise of God for you and me. That no matter what our before picture has been like, that the after picture could be different because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's let's just look uh, briefly at some of the before and after pictures of some of the followers. You have uh, Peter who was uh, a public failure. He denied Jesus actually uh, denied to a middle school girl. I know they can be terrifying at points, but imagine that. Uh, 
We, we see this. Uh, he said, uh, Peter swore, uh, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. So he was, he was fearful even after Jesus died. He'd been with Jesus. But when Jesus rose from the dead, uh, his life changed. It was, it was like he had hope. And, and here's the deal, I, I, I identify so much with Peter, because Peter had been there, he said, hey Jesus, I'm all in, I don't understand everything, but man, I want to believe, and then he failed, and when Jesus rose from the dead, he probably wondered, will Jesus still love me and care for me, because I said I would be there and I wasn't, and maybe... Maybe that's your story. You say, hey, I've said yes to Jesus at some point in my life, but the way I live my life, I haven't denied him with words, but I've denied him with actions. And I think in the story of Peter, we find incredible hope. Uh, And then we uh, see the uh, 12 who follow Jesus, how they were bickering and infighting uh, the entire time. They were fearful, uh, doubting. And then we see this after, in Acts 4.31, it says, after this prayer, the meeting uh, place shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word of God with boldness. Something changed inside of them. It's, it's incredible, and we see this again and again. Uh, James, who was the brother, the half-brother of Jesus, I, I think that James and Thomas should literally uh, be the patron saints of Seattle, because they were cynical and sarcastic and doubting. And at one point, uh, we see that him, along with his other brothers and mother, they actually tried to have Jesus uh, committed. We read in Mark 3.21 uh, this. It says, when his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. But then later we read in the Bible, James writes this, this letter to followers of Jesus. And here's how he describes himself. He says, this letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He went from thinking Jesus was crazy to thinking, he is my Lord. And we see the before and after picture again and again. Well, what does this mean for us? If if we're looking at the historical account, if we're looking at the example given in the Bible, I have a few takeaways for us as we look at it this Easter. Number one, Jesus can't be taken lightly. Jesus is not a dead moralist, but he's a living Lord. It means that I can't treat him as a consultant for my life, but as the one who has claim on my life. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. See, and that means something because I can't make it. The odds are not in my favor. I cannot make it without Jesus. You know, there's people who uh, guess the probability on everything, uh, whether or not you're going to get in a car accident, uh, if you're going to live to 80 years old, uh, all of that. In fact, I was reading an article recently. They were talking about uh, cars that were most likely to get stolen. So know if yours is on the list. Number one, uh, across the country is a Honda Accord. Number two is a Honda Civic. 
Uh, number three in Seattle alone is the Subaru Legacy, which makes me feel better about my car. Uh, and so they say, in fact, it's something like, if you have uh, a Honda Accord, it's something like 57 times more likely to get stolen than a Dodge Dart. Uh, and if you're still driving a Ford Pinto, you can leave your keys in the ignition. It is impossible for that car to get stolen. So, so what is a probability that, that I can ignore Jesus and really find the hope and the peace I need. Jesus said, eh, there's really no chance. And he said, I'm not going to make this hard for you. In fact, I've done all the work for you. I want to make a way for you. And so I live my life in response to that. Uh, my priorities uh, need to change big time, given that. That, uh, that I would live life with him calling the shots. It's sort of funny how at this time of the year with uh, the political campaigns, which uh, seem like they last all the time now, uh, a little bit tired of this season, I was reminded of all the isms that we live uh, our life by. Uh, someone sent me this a while back. Uh, capitalism, uh, he who dies with the, the most toys wins. And then, of course, there's the, the religious ones, Catholicism, he who denies himself the most toys wins. Some of you relate to that. Pentecostalism, he whose toys can talk wins. <laughs> and then voodoo, let me borrow that doll for a second. <laughs> we're, we're, all, we're all usually trusting a philosophy of life rather than a person who gives us life. And so Jesus, uh, he, he says this, he says, as you look at your life and you worry about all these things, he says, don't store up treasures where on, here on earth where moths eat them and rust uh, destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store up treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. It's basically about life investment. What are we investing our lives in? And if I truly believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then I know that my life here is a gift from God and important. But it is not the end of the story. And I know that when my life doesn't make sense, that I don't have to go to my very best guesses, that he's going to walk with me every step of the way. And to live my life in response to that. Every once in a while, I'll be going through uh, Costco. I'm not much of a shopper, but somehow I love to go to Costco. It sort of just draws me in. Uh, and, you know, they have the wow wall as you walk in. And I'll, I'll go there usually after Sunday. And invariably, I'll, I'll run into someone from church. And uh, they'll say, oh, hey, you know, oh, hey, Ben, I wasn't at church today, and then they give me the reason why they weren't at church today. And so I say, well, you better not come back then. No, I'm just kidding. I would never say that. Uh, I'm like, hey, you know, you could have just said you went to one of the other campuses. You know, I wouldn't have noticed. Uh, but it's not really about going to church to earn God's favor or a leader's favor. It's about saying, God, I want my whole life to be in response to you that I worship you and I show love 
for you because you showed ultimate love for me. See, there's a reality at the cross that is so unique there. And that's uh, number three, nothing is too broken to be made whole. You think about Jesus, how he lived his life. There's, there's an account in the Bible that's sort of a, a, an odd account, to be very honest with you. Jesus is walking along, and there's a man who's out of his mind that says that he was uh, demon-possessed. I don't know all that means, but I know it's not a good thing when that happens. Uh, so Jesus, uh, he takes that spirit, and he casts them into these pigs, and these pigs uh, 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 go over a cliff like about a thousand pigs or so, uh, and, and they die. And I was doing a little research on it, uh, because if you look at the reaction of the people in the town, they were very mad at Jesus, uh, because the economic impact in those days would have been, it would have been worth something like a couple hundred thousand dollars. And, and they had given up hope on this guy. They thought he was, he was crazy, he was not worth being part of civilized uh, humanity and society, let alone any religious society. But Jesus makes an ultimate value statement. He, he said, it's worth whatever it takes for him to be made whole. And we know that Jesus not only demonstrated that through his teaching and through miracles he did, but as he gave his life, that we would be made whole. And he authenticated what was done on the cross, that we would receive forgiveness, that there, we wouldn't have to try to make payment for sin. You know, this whole thing of karma, I do more good to outweigh the bad. And I've got to tell you, that just doesn't ever work out. It's a nice idea, but it's non-functional. If there's a debt that's that's owed, someone needs to make good on it. And that's what Jesus did. And that's what Jesus does. I got an email uh, from someone after uh, the first of our Easter services. And the uh, person said, hey, I want to get together. I'd, I'd like to be part of Timberlake Church. You don't know my story, and I'm not sure you or your church would really want me. Uh, have had a bit of a past and described, you know, multiple relationships, all sorts of stuff. And see, it was an easy answer. Because I don't get to answer that question, because Jesus said, there's no place you can go where I will not Seek you out because I want you to be made whole. Jesus said this, uh, Come to me, all you who are weary and, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. The Apostle Paul said in, in Ephesians, as he, as he experienced this life transformation, and it's sort of interesting, maybe you're here and you say, Hey, I'm doing pretty well. Maybe you're just struggling sort of a malaise and, and you feel like you're sort of in this in-between time in life. And the reality is, if you're a Christ follower, we sort of are. We're, we're living in a sort of a Good Friday world on like an Easter Saturday and we're waiting for that resurrection life to come. 
But we can get a taste of it even now. The Apostle Paul says, I also pray uh, that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. I don't know what your before picture is like. It might be a pretty good one. But I know what the after picture can look like when we allow Jesus present in our life, maybe in a greater way, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time. I I want you uh, to hear the story of someone who came uh, to Timberlake. Leslie came uh, not too long ago. Uh, had really sort of searching uh, for those answers, even though found a lot of accomplishment in other areas of life, but wondering, Jesus, how do you fit into the picture? This is Leslie's story. 